Amen. Be seated, please. Well, good morning, church. How's everybody doing today? You've got to be doing good after you saw those cute babies up there on the screen. I mean, that's a little bit of heaven on earth right there, and just brings back great memories, mostly great memories, maybe not the middle of the night memories, but mostly really good memories. So thankful for all these awesome parents that we have, and in fact, I wanted to mention in the Home Point Center, for those of you who brought your sweet little babies up there, we have a, a faith box where you have a Bible for you. If you, after the services are over, go back there and get it, and Greg will take care of that, and a gift from the church to you is we stand on the Word of God and the absolute truth that guides us in life, so thankful for that. As you see up here, the series is Leftovers, and it says, Given Our First Fruits and the Relationships That Matter Most, and I'm excited to get to start that series today, and Josh did a great job really starting off the year with kind of the theme for this year of discipleship, and uh, just some really great lessons, and you guys are benefited by Josh on Sunday mornings, and I just wanted to, uh, to tell you that I get to see what he's like on Monday through Friday, which is just as important or even more important to me, and the leadership, the teamwork that goes on, and the communication with everybody, he's really good at that, and he's wise beyond his years, but enough of the exhortation of Josh. It takes all that to cover the fact that he's a Steelers fan, so you know, um, but behind every good man is a great woman, right, Jenna? And so, uh, so thankful to be working with them and the whole support staff and the elders and you guys. It's really fun to be here at Bentonville Church of Christ. And Sierra, excited that you're here and get to be a part of the team. And I just think greater things are yet to come. God is such a good job and we, a good job. <laughs> he does a good job. God is such a good God. And so I'm thankful to get to be a part of what he's doing. All right leftovers, giving our first fruits and the relationships that matter most. I'm going to start off this series talking about parenting, which is humbling, but I'm going to talk about parenting next week. John Dias, aka Rico Suave, is going to talk, be talking to us about romance, okay? <laughs> See. And then the third week, Josh Bundy is going to be talking to us about singleness, and uh, sometimes we choose to be single, sometimes we even, we don't, but he's going to be talking about that. And then Greg Ziegler is going to cap it off by talking about honoring your father and mother, because these are relationships that matter the most. And, and you know, we're all in kind of the battle of leftovers versus first fruits to the relationships that really matter the most to us. And it's been humbling trying to get ready for the sermon, and God and his timing is fun, and God can even use Facebook, believe it or not. And so this week, a memory popped up on my Facebook feed from seven years ago, and it said, I was in my van, driving around with my boys, making sure they knew how much I loved them. And then Easton, that's my oldest, who's about 10 at the time, he pipes up and goes, man, Dad, God must really trust you to give you four boys who are going to be dads someday. And I finished my little thing on Facebook by saying, I'm very thankful for the Holy Spirit and grace right about now. And even right about now, as I'm speaking to you, that continues. It takes much grace in this parenting process. The longer I parent, the more grace I have for other parents. It doesn't mean I don't love what I do. Parenting is great. It's exhilarating. It's fun. It's amazing. It's challenging. It's humbling, kind of all wrapped together. And so um, I'm excited to talk to you about, to you as parents, and especially you parents who are with these sweet little babies today, and hopefully you'll leave encouraged, maybe a little bit more equipped at the end of the next 20 to 25 minutes. So 
where does the idea of first fruits even come from? If you look through the Bible, it's kind of a thematic theme. It starts kind of with Cain and Abel, their offerings to God, kind of goes through the word, and even Jesus Christ is the first fruit of the resurrection. Romans 8 says that we have the first fruit of the Spirit inside of us. So this idea of first fruits, it's in there, it's in the word, but there's a really cool area that leads up to Nehemiah that I want to talk about. And what has happened, the Jews, they've been exiled in Babylon, and finally the King Cyrus says, you can go back and you can rebuild the temple which was destroyed, the beautiful temple that Solomon built. And so they go back to rebuild the temple, and then eventually they go back to rebuild the wall around the temple. And right here in Nehemiah, what's going on here is they finally come to the point where, as you guys know if you've read, but some of you may not know, it took them a long time to rebuild the temple. They got stopped. They got intimidated. All these things happened. Eventually, God stirred their spirits. They, they rebuilt the temple. They rebuilt the wall. Opposition was coming at them from every side as they rebuilt the wall. But they finally get it completed. The people come together to celebrate what God has done. And right here is where it reads, we also assume responsibility for bringing to the house of the Lord each year the first fruits of our crops and of every fruit tree. As it is also written in the law, we will bring the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle, of our herds, of our flocks to the house of our God, to the priest ministering there. And it goes on in verse 37 to talk about the first fruits of their, their ground meal, their wheat, everything. It's a holistic process. And what I got by reading this is, this was a natural response to God, what he had done from them, is to give the first fruits, to give the best of what they have back to God. Not because we have to, but because we want to. And in fact, when they rebuilt the temple, they did not start with the foundations of the temple. The first thing they built was the altar so they could worship God and make their sacrifices. And every day, we have that opportunity right now to live a life that exemplifies this idea of giving our first fruits back to God. It's an honor. We can't wait to do it. It's like the spirit of thanksgiving. It's important to me that within the body of Christ, we cultivate a culture of honor, whether it's the parents, leadership, the shepherds, all those kind of things, the people you work with, that we honor each other, build each other up as much as we can. And what I learned from this too, this idea of first fruits is this culture of thanksgiving. You know, we, we are so thankful for what God has done. And I am flowing in a spirit of thanksgiving today as a, almost a couple weeks ago, my wife got T-boned by, by a guy going 30 miles an hour through a stop sign, spun her 180 on top of this guardrail, and she's okay. And so hours upon hours with the insurance company is no big deal because I was just thankful my wife and my son Andrew, who's in the car, that they're both, you know, they're okay. The spirit of thankfulness that we need to flow in. I see this in these first fruits. Years ago, when Marcy was pregnant with our first son, Easton, that's been a while, I was about to, to graduate from the marriage and family therapy program at Harding University. And I just started working full-time in ministry as a youth minister at Highway Church of Christ in Judsonia, Arkansas. And uh, so life was good, things were going, and Marcy, you know, was coming up on having Easton. And one of my professors sat me down in his office, a guy who at the time I really grew to respect and admire. His name was Dr. Hickman. He's this big six-foot-four guy, and he's just really, just really cool, educated redneck is what he is. But he sits me down in, in his office, and he goes, Todd, he said, let me tell you something, brother. As you start this ministry, don't forget your family is your first fruit ministry. He said, do you hear me? And he's looking, yes, sir, yes, sir. And I really respected him, and I was listening because this guy lived it out. And then the next thing he said really grabbed me, and I've never forgotten it. He said, no amount of success in the workplace 
can compensate for a failure at home. And so you let that sink in for a second. No amount of success in the workplace can compensate for a failure at home. He was trying to set me up for success within ministry, you know, because, I mean, man, I'm, I'm doing ministry. There's always more things to do in ministry. And I love working with the staff that, that they're hard workers, and there's always more we could be doing. But ever since he said that, that's kind of been on my radar is, you know, God could use me to help baptize 500 people this year, but if I'm not treating my family as my first fruit ministry, is it really a success? And I know we think, well, in the kingdom of God, yes, but my family is my first fruit ministry. And some of you, when you hear this saying, some of you are like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. I, I like that. Some of you hear this, you read this, and then guilt can start coming over you because maybe you weren't there for your family as much. Maybe you spent so much time at work and so little time at home that, you know, you didn't get to do all the things that maybe you feel like God wanted you to do. But what I want you to do is, like Josh talked about that tension between grace and obedience, there's this tension between conviction from the Holy Spirit and guilt. And I want us to be convicted today. And maybe things are going great with you as a dad and you just want to keep stepping it up. That's great. Maybe some of you have recently just kind of checked out because you're battle-weary as a parent and you're going to check back in. And as you see the statement up here, let it be a spirit of conviction that comes over you. And it's good to, sometimes we need to repent towards God and change the way we think and look to him. And if you feel that conviction to where you want to repent today, that's great. But I don't want this to be a spirit of guilt, but I want it to convict us, especially here in corporate America, Northwest Arkansas. I've never forgotten what he said. Well, when we think about if we're going to be a spiritual leader, if our family is going to be a first fruit ministry in everything that we do, really the verses that come up first and foremost for a lot of us is from Deuteronomy 6, verses 5 through 9. Right here it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you drive in the minivan, when you lie down and when you get up. A real man drives a minivan. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I mean, these are some pretty big verses right here that we refer to a lot over the years. And home point, it starts at home. But these aren't always the easiest verses to live out. And so what, it, what it's saying here, these are ongoing conversations for the principles, the things we want our children to know as they grow up. It takes mom and dad working together if you're fortunate enough to have mom and dad working together. But to accomplish this, our mindset towards our children has to be that they are our first fruit ministry. It's really great to be involved in church and to do a lot of different things in church. My dad became an elder when I was in junior high. And he told the eldership, I'll do it as long as you're okay with me missing some meetings because I don't want my youngest son to miss out on me as a dad. And so you have to balance even this ministry life. We're always asking you guys to get involved and do more things, but you have to keep this balance. If your children are going to be your first fruit ministry and they're going to learn the things you want them to learn, you kind of have to look at them that way. I remember my dad one time I was saying, thank you for sacrificing. He's like, son, it's not a sacrifice. I really enjoy it. He said, I've just made you guys my hobby. But here's the other thing. If we're going to accomplish these verses right here in Deuteronomy 6 that's been laid out for us, something else has to become a first fruit in our lives as well. Our relationships overflow from our first fruit relationship with Jesus Christ. It's so important that mom and dad on your own time, you're continuing to pursue Jesus Christ. I love that idea of pursuit Josh was talking about last week. 
Because everything in our life, all our relationships, including our children, our first fruit ministry, flows from this idea that Jesus has to be our first fruit ministry. So think about it in this way. We as parents need to know that in Christ we are sons and daughters to God the Father in heaven. Jesus modeled the spirit of sonship with God the Father. And with that, this is a father, an Abba Father, that we can approach with freedom and confidence. He does love you. He's not disappointed in you. And I love how Donovan talked about the continual cleansing of the blood of Jesus Christ. He looks at us through the blood and the righteousness of his sons. We need to know who we are as sons and daughters. As parents, we need to know that we're totally accepted in God's love and are justified by his grace. Our service, our service in in church, community, everywhere, we need to know as parents that it's motivated by a deep gratitude for being unconditionally loved and accepted by God. We're not trying to earn something that we already have in Christ. We as parents need to know that in Christ, our first relationship with him, that we have redemption, we have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we have the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. It's so important that we believe in the power, the name of Jesus Christ, because here's the thing, within that first fruit relationship with God the Father, as we receive more and more who we are in Christ, we are going to call out those truths in our children. Does that make... I mean, I, I think it all really flows together. What, whatever I continue to learn and grow deeper in the knowledge of knowing really who I already am in Christ, eventually I'm going to call out those truths in my children. I'm going to look for the gifts in them. I'm going to continually remind them and encourage them through the challenges of life what God thinks about them, what the Word says about them, and encourage them to renew their minds of the truth of who they are in Jesus Christ. Because kind of at the end of the day, it all flows back to our identity. Now, in our family, um, back when Dr. Hickman said, no amount of success in the workplace can compensate for a failure at home, I had just started reading this book called Raising a Modern Day Knight. Phil McKinney, a guy who grew up in this church, referred it to me. And what it is, and some of you have heard it, it's, it's Raising a Modern Day Knight by Robert Lewis, if you want to write that down and buy it. But these dads got together because they had these sons, and evidently we had 15 more sons this last year, but... They had all these sons, and there wasn't really a thing in the secular society that we live in that could really kind of take a, a boy to a man and become a biblically authentic man. And so what they did, they, they noticed that like the, in knights, they went from a squire, a page, to a knight. They had these rites of passages. They had these power ceremony. And so what they do is they give this book and give you some ideas, practical ideas, what you can do with your children and kind of coincides with our faith path that we do at the home point. But... Marcy and I, we, we read it, of course, she read it too, uh, because, because behind every good man is a great woman. And we dreamed together and decided, okay, well, we're going to do these rites of passage with our boys, and you can do them with your girls too and get creative with it, not knowing that I was going to have three more boys. Um, but we decided to do this. And the first rite of passage we did was when they're going into kindergarten, we wanted to have a weekend that we focus on the armor of God, Okay. Because we're like, okay, got a boy, got to raise him up to be a warrior for Christ. Got to raise him up to have a little bit of a tough mentality here because life isn't easy as a dad. If he's going to be a spiritual leader, he's got to be strong. But we also want our children to know at an early age that, you know, we are in a spiritual battle. And so my father-in-law happened to build this log cabin on 180 acres just outside of Searcy. The Little Red River goes around. It's beautiful. There's bluffs and all these kind of things. And one of the neatest things we did that weekend from Easton on down to Owen is we did the scavenger hunt for the armor of God. 
And my father-in-law, Lee, the boys call him Big Daddy. Big Daddy set out ahead of time, and he makes his path, and he ties these little ribbons along the way and sets along the way all these different things that represent the armor of God, the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, shoes of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, shing, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, okay? And so all these things, that they, got, they get to find along the way. We read things to them in each place. Our boys lead it. We're behind them. And the ribbons at the end, we say, represents the Holy Spirit that will guide you. And so I wanted to show you just a quick little video to give you a little taste. Don't be afraid to turn it up, guys, to hear Owen's voice especially. This is Owen um, about five years ago. Go ahead and play that video if you don't mind. Now listen. Listen to Big Daddy. The enemy's arrows against you he will wield. Your faith must be used as your protective shield. Ooh, yeah. This is... So that's... Yeah. So you got... So what do you have so far? Shoes... Of faith. Yeah, buddy. And that faith, you know what? Put that around your shoulder. You fight from victory, not for victory. The enemy doesn't stand a chance. He's pinned in on either side, okay? Awesome. Good job. Here we go. Now, I'm sure he understood everything I said to him. But it's about planting seeds. It's about being together. It's about making an excuse to be together for a weekend with my dad, with my father-in-law, involving uncles to write blessings to him. And it's just some intentionality is what it is. And then, you know, from then on, on the way to school, you can put the, the armor of God on together and just something kind of fun to do. I want to encourage you to get creative with your intentionality with your kids, your boys and your girls. And the beauty of it is you have people around you who've gone before you that you can learn from and do these things with. Because here's the thing. When we aren't pursuing Christ personally as our first fruit relationship, our family will get the leftovers. And we've all operated out of leftovers before in our relationships. You know, we've been there. And I kind of got to the point by the time it was a break in December, I think I was operating a little bit out of leftovers. And God can work with leftovers. He can work with plan B, C, and D because he's such a good father. But his best is for us to be operating out of the first fruit of our relationship with Christ and really dedicating our first fruits to our children. And so this is such an important concept. But here's the challenge. Don't underestimate the spiritual battle and the power of prayer. Because the reality is, we're going to face some challenges in parenting. You know, believe it or not, your children may not do everything you ask them to do and expect them to do. Right? Because even the best parent ever, God, his children in the garden decided, I got a better idea and didn't want to do what he asked them to do. And so, you know, we're going to face some challenges in life. And we need to recognize and have an awareness that we are in a spiritual battle. The armor of God from Ephesians 6, the reality is there's a spirit in this world, the enemy, that we are battling against. We don't need to fear because he who is in us is greater than he who is in this world. But you have parented long enough, you know that some challenges come along. You know, unity is a threat to the enemy. He comes at you. He does not like intimacy. He does not like seeing your children grow in their faith in God. But we don't have to fear that. But at the same time, we need to have an awareness And I think sometimes we underestimate the power of prayer. I want to encourage you as parents, as grandparents, encourage you as people who are looking for a future spouse, be praying. Pray specifically. Because the Bible says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And are you righteous? Through Jesus Christ you are. 
<laughs> you're the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ is what the word says. God made him who had no sin so that you might become his righteousness. So when you pray, moms and dads, grandparents, single, when you pray, teenagers, it is powerful and effective because of who you are in Christ, and it's not based upon your performance. But I wanna encourage you to pray. Pray specifically with your children, for your children, over your children. Pray with your spouse for your children. Pray, pray, pray. And I'm not just talking about the begging and the pleading. I'm talking about just declaring what the scripture says over your kids, praying blessings over them. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And the reality is there's different times as parents, you get weary when you don't see the breakthrough. It's like, God, give me some breakthrough. You know, throw me something here to encourage me. And there's times you can get battle weary. And I want to encourage you as parents, don't give up. Don't ever give up. Keep praying until you see God do through your children what you prayed and, and asked for him to do for all these, all these years. And you pray for your, their future spouse. You pray for your future grandchildren. I want to encourage you, don't ever stop praying, even if the breakthrough doesn't seem to be coming. And in the midst of that, wanting to see that breakthrough, I did want to say this. Don't give in to fear as parents. Fear sometimes masks itself as wisdom. You know, I was reading the other day, fear is the evil stepmother of wisdom. And you haven't been given a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And I understand the healthy fear of God, but that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm not saying you're never going to face fear. I'm not saying you won't ever give in to fear. But the reality is, as parents, it's challenging sometimes not to give in to fear for your children, for your babies, you know? It's hard not to give in to it. But at the same time, if we do, we can learn from it. I want to encourage you, if you're struggling not to give in to fear, get some of your brothers and sisters to pray for you. Get some of the shepherds to pray over you because we have each other. We have the body of Christ to lean in and on to each other during these challenging times, but don't give in to fear. Don't let the enemy take residence within your heart, within your mind, because the mind is the battlefield, and there's a lot of lies that come against us as parents. And dads, I'm sure you felt some of the lies. Moms, you too. It's very interesting over the years talking to dads. A lot of times you hear this out on the golf course or somewhere outside. Eventually, it comes up in a conversation. And I, I can talk about politics, weather. I can be as shallow as I need to be. But if somebody wants to go deep, I love that too. But over time, I've seen over and over with men, there's a lie that they kind of battle that they think, well, whatever I do, it's not good enough for my wife anyway. So why even continue trying? You know, I'm disappointing her. I'm not being what she really wants me to be. I'm disappointing God. And what that does, it kind of paralyzes us as men. I want to encourage you as men. The enemy's gonna come against you in different ways, but again, continue to renew your mind to the truth of who you are in Christ. You're equipped with the Holy Spirit. You have the armor of God on you. You can have confidence. You can have boldness. You can know that you can do this. And we don't compare ourselves to other people. That usually leads to, you know, comparison destroys contentment. But I wanna encourage you as men, hang in there. We need men to rise up. We need men to rise up in the spiritual leader mantle God has given you. And women, you do it together. Most of the time, women are doing their part, but guys, don't be afraid to rise up. And if you don't feel equipped, if you feel discouraged, talk to some of us. We wanna be here for you. We wanna rally behind you. We are for each other because it's really important, but don't give in to fear. With your family is your first fruit relationship. Your children is your first fruit relationship. Something that's easy to do is forget about each other in the process. So don't forget about your relationship with each other as part of your first fruit ministry. 
It's interesting. I'm starting to think about this. And in second service, my wife may start crying, but my oldest son's going to be a senior next year. And it's starting to think, oh, whoa, I'm about to have a child leave the house, you know? And then Marcy kind of joking with each other, it's going to be me and you, just me and you here in a little while. And all of a sudden, it's just you. And so you can, you're pouring so many things into your children and everything work that it's easy to forget about each other in the process. And as you guys know, marriages, even in Northwest Arkansas with us, we have a high divorce rate, but I'm not even talking about divorce. I'm just talking about not just surviving, but thriving. I think his best for us is to thrive. I want to encourage you to keep putting the effort, the energy, the commitment into your relationship with your spouse. It's a really, really big deal because your kids are watching you. I was always watching my parents. You know, some things are taught, some things are caught. And the way that my dad loved and honored my mom, that still rings to me this day. He was texting me this morning, praying over me, all these kind of things. And I think about my mom as this Proverbs 31 lady, and my wife as this Proverbs 31 lady. But it's easy to forget your spouse and your relationship in this process of parenting. Because you've got to grow together too. Again, there's this flowing that comes from this first fruit ministry with you, God the Father, Jesus the Holy Spirit, who are one. And it flows in the relationships we have around us. Your family has got to be your first fruit ministry. And let me end with this. Our first fruit ministry to our children should communicate the message, you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. I'm going to end with that due to time, and I want us to think about that. You guys know where that scripture is, that you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ? What is it? First Corinthians. Oh, don't be shy. You can speak out. I know it's church, but okay. First Corinthians. 11.1. So if you haven't been coming the last month, it's 1 Corinthians 11.1. It's a great scripture, but they're going to be imitating us, hopefully, as we imitate Christ. If you want to check back in as a parent, because it's never too late to check back in, if you want prayers, if you, if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we're going to have some elders up front or in the back. I don't want to say it wrong. Both. Oh, baby. All right. Up front, in the back, if you need prayers this morning, please come while we stand and while we sing.